Hey y'all, welcome to another edition of the Nolcast. This is the Nolcast instant reaction show for the 2020 early signing period signing class. Uh, I am on the road down in Naples, Florida, covering the 2023, uh, or class of 2023 rather, all-star game, which uh, I mean will feature a lot of the kids that I'll have to cover in the coming years, and, and pretty excited about that, and uh, you saw a lot of good kids tonight, including a lot of good kids from the state of Florida, but let's go ahead and get into the discussion of Florida State. This will be a probably a 20 or 25 minute episode, I have, I'd have to think. It's going to be an instant reaction, so I'm not going to edit this. I'm just going to run it live, so if I make a mistake, I will just talk right on over it and correct myself. Hopefully, I'll, I'll catch it if I do make a mistake, uh, and it's also pretty late, so uh, Ingram will not be joining me on this one. We will have him back for the next episode. We'll probably do a little greater breakdown on the class, but I wanted to give you all my instant thoughts here. Uh, before we do, let's go ahead and discuss our quick sponsor reads. We have Louisiana Hot Sauce, the title sponsor of the show now for many years. Great product, obviously, something we, we absolutely love. Madison Social and the For the Table Restaurant Group. No better places to eat in Tallahassee. Great variety, great people with Matt Thompson and his crew over there, True Knowles, and they, they really kind of, they just get it. And you can tell when you when you get in there, it's it's a place you want to be. Resolution Home Loans, we're not in the Resolution Home Loan studios tonight. I hope that the podcast still sounds okay. I'm, I'm hoping that it will. Um, but Resolution Home Loans is how I got my home mortgage. That's how you should get yours too. Over 40 Nolcast listeners have, have received their mortgages through Resolution, and we're, uh, we're very excited to tell you about them. 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. And of course, Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm. Look, picking a family law attorney is important, and it's really important that you get it right the first time. You want to go with someone who's excellent, and Travis Johnson is excellent. He's a board-certified family law attorney. There's only 280 of those in the state of Florida. He has over a decade of experience practicing family law he has clients throughout the state. He will come to you. That's Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm. All right, so Florida State uh, had a pretty nice signing day for the early signing period. Of course, this is a transitional class, and so that does color our expectations, uh, and I think also our, um, well, I guess most of the expectations about what this class is going to be since you have do you have a new coaching staff, and they didn't have a whole lot of time to put this thing together. Overall, I feel like they did a pretty good job. Uh, they have 18 commitments. Now, of course, they still have two unsigned. Uh, Lloyd Willis, your offensive tackle, who we'll talk about, is planning to sign, I believe, uh, tomorrow, which is the 19th. And uh, obviously Malachi Wybin, who as of yet has not signed, he said tonight after his basketball game that uh, he's still fully in on Florida State, but yet he's not signed. And uh, we'll talk about that a little more, too. So 16 players uh, signed today plus one transfer who we'll also discuss. Uh, it's a class that's not inside the top 20 nationally, but um, if they manage to keep Wybin, they'll end up with uh, nine, four, or nine four stars and uh, eight three stars and, and a punter, obviously, who we'll talk about as well, who doesn't have any stars because he's a punter. Um, you know what? Overall, I, I think you got to be pretty pleased with, with, with the job that Coach Norvell and those guys did. And we'll talk a little more about my overall feelings on the class more towards the end of the show, both the good and, and the bad, right? Um, so, uh, what did Florida State actually get new today? 
quite a bit. And, and instead of just saying, hey, here's the new guys they got, let's just go position by position, and I'll, I'll comment on the new and some of the old. At quarterback, they addressed it. It was a major position of need for them. Uh, they ended up losing Jeff Sims, but they ended up gaining uh, Chubba Purdy, and they, they got Tate Rodemaker earlier this week. We know that over half of Power 5 quarterback signees are going to transfer at some point in their careers. So you, I, you can basically guarantee that either Rodemaker or Purdy won't work out and they'll transfer. But having those numbers on your side, I think it's pretty important. I think it's really helpful to be able to have two guys who, who I think this staff genuinely believes, if they hit their ceilings, can, can play at the Florida State level. And, and I'm not talking about like Florida State 2018 level, but maybe maybe play at that Florida State 2021, 22, 23 level, which you hope is better. Um, so certainly a really, really nice thing there to, to take Purdy from Louisville after a, a short uh, short courtship. But that, that kind of shows that you know, Florida State, the, the brand, uh, the, the logo still carries some weight. Mike Morvell and and, uh, and Kenny Dillingham, the office coordinator, did a nice job going out there and making sure that they, they could establish that relationship. And I, I think clearly the depth chart here is probably your biggest seller, uh, not to short sell what the staff did, but you didn't sign a high school quarterback the last two years. You, you, how often are you going to see a depth chart this wide open and this friendly at a place like Florida State University? Not, not that often. So that was big, but I also believe that the numbers that the quarterbacks have put up in Mike Norvell's system uh, were also pretty big. And I think Purdy and his family uh, would have been aware uh, of how Norvell's offense did, not only at Memphis, because I doubt they followed Memphis very much, but uh, but what they did when Norvell was at Arizona State. So there was a nice little connection there, I think really helped. So excellent job going out and getting two quarterbacks who are going to be on scholarship. That's that's really big. It, de- it decreases the pressure to take two uh, next year, and they can really focus on maybe getting a big-time blue-chip kid, I imagine, for the 2021 class. Uh, running back-wise, they, they only got Lawrence to Philly, uh, but that's basically all that was expected after they lost Jalen Knighton to Miami a couple weeks ago. Um, Knighton would have been the best player in, in your class, so that definitely stinks to lose him, but to Philly's a pretty good back. Uh, he's not like a... Um, how do I say this? He, he's not maybe a... a you know, top 10 or top 15 back nationally. Although I think you could, you could maybe argue that he's top 15. He's not like a top 10 caliber back, I don't think. But he's a pretty damn good back. That that And, and a guy who, I mean, look, other schools, certain, you know, some other schools certainly liked him um, down the stretch. Maybe not like the Clemson, you know, Ohio State brand of schools, but he's a guy who can come in, I I I think be a really quality player for you, not just in the Norvell's first year, but I think he's a guy who could be a pretty good player for you uh, down the line once you get this thing rolling as well. So that's that's always you know really encouraging uh, to see, in my opinion. Uh, Mike Norvell did mention that they're going to be using more two-back sets, and I believe that's two-back sets in terms of two running backs, uh, what we used to call the pony package at Florida State, and I forgot what the name that, I forgot what Tagger called it, but under Jimbo, they called it Pony when you went two running backs, no, no fullback. Uh, and that's something that Memphis has, has used quite a bit. They also mentioned that that a junior college running back is uh, is, is a likely possibility in this class, and I would agree uh, with with that uh, because Cam Akers is, is turning pro. You, you don't know what you're going to get 
out of LeBourne. Um, so, and you don't, heck, you don't, you don't know if you can trust Anthony Grant, right? I mean, he wasn't really on the roster this year, kind of. Uh, so, taking a junior college back here makes some sense, but getting to affiliate, he's a really heady kid. He's a nice runner, four-star type, who I believe his, his, his ranking is, is very much deserved. He's a national top 200 kid, right? So he's this is a a very quality player for you. Who I think Florida State fans should be should be pretty happy about. Um, you'd like to see him early enroll, but you know beggars can't be choosers here this year. Receiver position, I, I think, uh, has is either going to turn out good or like really good slash great. Today they added uh, two new receiver commitments. Well. I guess to kind of added one because Robinson was already a solid commitment back in the summer, but then he, uh, you know, once Taggart left, maybe not quite so much, and then they managed to get him back in the fold. But I like Brian Robinson. He's a four-star kid, one of the higher-rated players in your class, and I, I think deservedly so. In fact, he's the second-rated player in your class who signed. He'd be the third uh, once once Weidman signs. Um, kind of a thicker receiver. He's listed 6'1", 185, but I think he's got a little more muscle mass than that. He's a tough dude. I actually like his blocking. He's he's a physical guy. He likes to compete. Uh, will go up and make the tough catch for you and is somebody who is dependable. He actually kind of reminds me a little bit, and this is a, a bit of a throwback here, but do you all remember Willie Halstead? Maybe back in the, what was Willie, 20... Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember now. I think he was like maybe 09 and 10... And then Joyner kind of blew him up in practice. Um, but Robinson has a little bit of Halstead in his game, I, I think. We, we, and I say that as a compliment. Then Florida State ended up taking a commitment from uh, uh, Kentron Potier, who is a, a player at Palmetto. I, I think the upside here on this kid is, is very high. Now, the floor is also a little bit lower because he doesn't have much football experience. He's only been playing... For a couple of years, but he's a legitimate six foot three, you know, two hundred pound dude who had a pretty nice senior season in terms of making highlight catches. Uh, there's some people who will tell you that he is you know, a top fifty player in the state of Florida. I don't totally disagree with that. There are also some people who say, "Hey, like, yeah, this kid's definitely not guaranteed because you know he's pretty raw. He's not somebody who's necessarily going to come in um, and you know and play real early." Now, I know that Blake Alderman of Gators 247 reported that he would have been a take uh, for Florida, meaning they would have accepted his commitment. So certainly somebody who I, I think uh, the schools down the stretch liked more. He's a player who I know they all kind of kept warm and kept in communications with, and Ron Dugans here deserves a ton of credit for this, but also especially for the Robinson one because I think if Ron Dugans is still at Miami, then Brian Robinson is probably a Miami commitment. Um, but Dugan's got got Robinson. He, he got Kentron, who's a th- Kentron's a three star. But uh, Jakai Douglas, another really nice player in, in more of a slot slash like slasher type. He could actually carry the football out of the backfield a little bit. Another four star kid, national top two hundred fifty player. He really impressed me this summer. I was at the I'm trying to remember the, the order of this. I think I was, yeah. So it was New Orleans. Under Armour first, which was a really cold day. And I was like, oh man, this sucks because a lot of these kids aren't going to show up, you know, because a lot of these dudes don't want to go out there and run in the rain. And because I, mean, I, don't, I don't blame them. What if you slip and get hurt? Or um, you're also not going to run very good times in terms of your testing when it's that cold and rainy out. And it was probably 
I don't know, low 50s and rainier, maybe high 40s. And uh, and Douglas came out there and competed all day, looked really, really good. And then I got in my car and I drove to Houston the next day. And uh, and Douglas was actually there at the Houston, the Houston Nike camp competing yet again. He's not real tall. I mean, 5'9 is what he's listed, maybe 5'8. But he's actually not real skinny. He's probably like 190. He's it's kind of an, it's an interesting build. Good quickness in and out of his brakes. The top end speed I don't think is special, but I, I do think his agility and acceleration are pretty nice. Um, he caught the ball well back to back days when I saw him there, and on on his highlight tape he certainly catches it pretty good. But I think he's a guy who who could be a good slot for you. And, and I don't think he's an easy tackle in space because of, of how thick he is and because of his change of direction. Then, of course, Malachi Weidman, who is a verbal commitment but did not sign. Um, look, if you don't sign and you're verbally committed, then you're not actually committed. That's how this works. That's how all the coaches in America believe. Okay, that's that's just the truth. Um, so is Weidman verbally committed to Florida State? Yes. If you gave some truth serum to Florida State's coaches, do they think he's actually committed? I think they're probably going to tell you that they think they have more work to do with him. And I think they would be right, especially because other schools out there are going to look on the board. They're going to say, okay, huh, what other players are left out there? Let's take a look. And I'm just going to pull it up right now. Okay, which top receivers didn't sign? All right. Signed, signed, signed. All right, we've got one out west, and he may still end up signing Tonight with uh, with USC, we got one who's going to go to Clemson, um, and then uh, we got one who's already committed but not signed. He'll, he'll probably sign uh, tomorrow, or maybe he'll go JUCO. And then, uh, oh hey, there you go, Malachi Weidman. Well, well damn, I mean Florida State, did, Florida State didn't have a very good year. Maybe we can steal him away. That that's going to be the thinking, basically. So. Florida State really needs to try to get this kid signed in the next 48 hours. Because if not, he's already used his official visit to, the, to see the Knowles. I know he he has said that his, official, that his official basically made him lock it down to Florida State. But, uh, I mean, look, I can tell you how these things go, and I can tell you how coaches think out there. In fact, a lot of them say it on the record. If you're verbally committed to us and you don't sign, you're not really committed. So they're going to have to play defense on that one for a while. He's the second best player in their class, and and one of the you know one of the few guys in their class that like the really elite recruiting programs actually want. So, an excellent day at receiver that could turn into a great day if they're able to hold on to Wyman. Ron Dugans deserves a ton of credit. I mean, he was directly involved in a lot of these a lot of these recruitments, especially Robinson Potier and and Douglas. And I mean, like Ron Dugans is responsible for what. Trying to do the math here. Three. He's responsible for like half of your top ten rated commits this year. So pretty good, pretty good uh, decision there by Mike Corbell to go ahead and hold on to Coach Dugans. Uh, tight end Carter Boatwright, a player who I actually think might be a little bit underrated in the rankings. Good athleticism for his size, but a player who can really help you in the blocking category as well. Coach Norbell's uh, tight ends have averaged 30 receptions per year when he was at Memphis, so that's certainly encouraging. I don't think they'll go after another tight end in this class, but that'll be a position that they try to hit hard 
in, in the 2021 class. Offensive line um, did okay. Uh, they, they got they got some bodies. That they, they got Herring. They got Schrader. And then tomorrow or uh, Thursday, they, they should get Lloyd Willis. That'll be three. Uh, I, I don't project any of those three as instant impact type players. Um, they obviously lost Alex at Cabbage by choice because they didn't believe that he was going to play uh, tackle for them. So we'll see uh, how that goes. It is important to get some bodies in here for sure and, and be able to develop them. Part of Florida State's problem in the offensive line is that they had to thrust some guys in before they were ready. And I don't think that Herring and Schrader are, are necessarily guys who are going to play in year one. Maybe they'd have a chance to help you out in year two. But this is clearly a position where, I mean, let's be real, most of the guys who could help you who were junior college guys are already off the board. They signed today, and they've been committed for quite a long time. Those dudes get identified kind of earlier, and they're, they're at a real premium. Florida State was not in a position to sign those kids this year. Um, now, portal-wise, that's different. The transfer portal is different, and Florida State is going to need to go out, and I believe they need to sign two offensive tackles in, in the transfer portal. Uh, even if they're only Ryan Roberts caliber, right, which is somewhere between bad and below average, it's still probably an upgrade over what you would like to have on the team this year. So overall, uh, okay job in the offensive line. Failing to get a difference maker is clearly a, a, a you know problem with this class, but I don't know that you would have really expected a transition class to really feature a difference maker. Um, all right, defensively. Defensive line, I, I, I like the run-stopping potential here. You got Josh Griffiths to flip, to flip back from Louisville. Uh, he's a guy that plays with, with, a, with a really high motor. I think he has the frame to bulk up and be bigger. He's not really a special pass rusher at all. Um, you know, I saw him at some camps. He didn't have a ton of wins in terms of like the one-on-one pass rush situations, but I think he can help you maybe more at that strong side end spot. Manny Rogers is a guy who I'm fairly high on from a potential standpoint, but also he's going to need some time and some development. That's your big time uh, defensive tackle. I think he got bumped to four stars. Let me look here. Um, yeah, he did. So he got bumped on the two four seven or twenty four seven sports composite to uh, to four stars. I, I think that's a pretty deserving bump for him, um, just because of the size and uh, and athleticism combination. I mean, six five three thirty is a big dude who has pretty good athleticism relative to the size. He can help you out. And then they took a transfer tonight in uh, Josh Jackson, who Florida State actually liked in their 2018 signing class, uh, but Louisville had been on him longer uh, than Florida State, and Florida State had a new coaching staff for the 2018 class, so they were not able to sign him. Um, he's a kid from Florida. I think, he was, I think he was a Palm Beach Gardens kid, and a guy who has some potential with a really big frame. Now, here's the downside. Louisville staff was not at all sad to see him go. In fact, our guy who we talked to talked to about Louisville in the offseason said, yeah, no, they're they're happy he's gone. Uh, so is he maybe he'll use his second opportunity better than he did his first opportunity in terms of you know committing to to making it all work. Um, he also might be a little bit better fit in this defense than he was in the other defense, but he's he's not a big-time pass rusher either, right? He, he's a big-body dude who is probably going to be more of a, of a five technique for you, meaning 
you know, kind of n- not like a true edge rusher type. But if he works hard and comes in in shape and wants to be a good teammate and all those things, then I think Florida State may have found a, a good player there. But I have to say if there, because he's already been at one place where he didn't work out, and that was Louisville with a pretty good coaching staff up there for the Cardinals. So we'll see how well Florida State can motivate him. At the linebacker position, uh, Stephen Dix uh, is, a, I think, your best player in this in, in this class as far as the linebacker spot goes. A national top 250 kid, uh, pretty good player, really smart kid. I, I think people will, will like him quite a bit. Gian McCluster got, is a player who I think, you know, 18 months ago had a very high star rating, but as he got evaluated more, um, more people started liking more and more different prospects ahead of him in the state. Obviously, at the opening, he ran the 5-1-3-40 according to his 24-7 sports profile, which is not uh, not encouraging, but he, I think he's a, he's a solid player. Um, you know, some guys just develop earlier. Some guys continue developing. So we'll see what happens there with McCluster. I, I'm pretty pleased, I think, overall at, at the job that uh, Willie Taggart's staff did at bringing in linebackers over the last two years and the continuing job that Mike Norvell's staff did with, uh, with these two. Now, clearly, you lost your best linebacker to Nebraska in Keyshawn Green, who you were not able to get back on campus. So that is that is one of the one of the two major uh, whiffs that this staff had Green, and of course uh, losing Jalen Knighton to to the Hurricanes, who would have been the best player in your class. Uh, but overall, the, the floor at the linebacker position, I really believe, has been raised thanks to who you got last year w- with that trio, and and then these two that you're bringing in today. If I had a beef with this, I would say the overall kind of lack of athleticism at, at this with this linebacker group. Getting green would have been a perfect compliment to the two other guys who are, are bigger, you know, more jacked dudes. Would, would have been a better, well-rounded class. But I think if you're a Florida State fan, you got to be pretty happy here with, with what you did at linebacker. Um, I think you got to like your run-stopping potential in this front seven. Like I said, I don't really love the pass rush ability of the guys you got on the defensive line. Uh, not getting Morgan Joseph there, I think, is is going to sting because he's a dude who can get after the pass rusher, after the passer, and I don't know that these other guys can so much. At least they haven't really shown a great ability to do so yet. But the run stopping here, I think, should be pretty nice with Dix and McCluster at linebacker, and then Griffiths, Rogers, and Jackson uh, at, all along the defensive line. In the defensive backfield, you got Demoria Tate. Uh, he's your best player. He's one of the guys that you need to be legitimately excited about, okay? And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you should be excited about all these players in the class because you shouldn't, right? Some of these dudes are just just guys. But some of them are legitimately really good players. And I'm going to talk about this more in a second, but over the last six weeks, post the firing of Willie, all the schools out there had a chance to look over Florida State's commit list and watch their senior films and say, okay, is this a guy we really want? And for some schools, they try to get a lot of them, right? Your Nebraska's, your your Pitts, your, your Tennessee's, your your Louisville's, stuff like that. And some schools only wanted one or two. But the one kid that everybody wanted was Tate because he's long, he's really athletic, he's already a good football player with the chance to be a great football player. Uh, I mean, a, na- a national top 50 kid, the, the only kid in the, the top 150 so far that you've signed, of course, Widen will be a 150, but he's not in the top 100. Um, 
that that's a dude. He's a top 10 player in the state of Florida. Pretty smart kid to deal with. I think people are going to be really excited about, about Demory Tate. Demory Tate's a guy who I, I think could play on a Florida State championship team. And I, I'm clearly not not everybody in this class has, has that, that ceiling to do so. But I, I think Tate really could be one of those dudes you look back. And if Coach Norvell works out, which I think there's a good chance he will, you say, man, getting Tate in that first class was really special because now now him here as a junior is is real nice. And then, of course, uh, Jadarius McKnight, Jadarius Green McKnight. He's just kind of a, a Swiss Army knife of a hitter, right? You, you could play him at safety. You could play him at nickel backer. You, you could play him sort of at, uh, like, slot nickel, if, if you will, kind of slot safety. Um, he's just shy of six foot, kind of a thicker kid, 200 he likes to hit people, man. He likes to blow people up out of Dunbar High School down there in Fort Myers, Florida, on the Gulf Coast. He's a guy I think people will really like to watch on special teams, too. A former teammate of uh, uh, Derek Hunter, who Florida State had a commitment from for a while, but also pretty tight with uh, with, with, with Quayshawn Fuller, uh, who, who's a defensive tackle, defensive end for FSU right now, who they got in last year's class. So a, a nice DB class. Overall, for the Knolls, DB is a spot where certainly they don't. They didn't need to take a lot of numbers, and because they did such a good job recruiting it the last few years, and so they could be selected. They didn't have to really reach for anybody. So that's kind of the rundown of the position players here. Oh, and they got a they, they got a punter uh, who Coach Norvell actually uh, said that the last staff found, and I was like, huh, okay, nobody ever told me about that. Uh, punter Alex Mastro. Meno, Master Meno, from uh, from down under, from, from Australia. I think Pro, Pro Kick Aussie uh, found him, which is kind of a service slash camp thing that finds kickers and punters down there in Australia uh, and from abroad. They seem to like him. I have no idea how to evaluate punters, especially not punters. I've never seen it in person. I'm not going to try to BS you that I do, but I have been kind of jealous. Like, why do all these other schools always get these Australian punters and uh, Florida State doesn't seem to get them? But, uh, yeah. Anyway, the, the last couple punters Florida State has had were pretty highly hyped, too, and they didn't turn out very well on the field. I just don't know how to evaluate punters. I mean, it, I just I don't know. So I don't know what, what more to say about that. But uh, with Florida State's offensive line, how it is, they'll probably be punting quite a bit next year, especially considering the difficult schedule that they have. So it'll be important to have a really good punter. Let's talk about what we have left, what, what Florida State really needs to, to get on here in the final six weeks. And and the good thing here is that most of their class has signed, the vast majority of it. So they're going to they're gonna be able to, fo- to turn their focus a good bit to to the juniors and to the sophomores. And they can, they can host a junior day or two in January and give those kids the attention that they want. They can host maybe a, you know, a, a true underclassman day where uh, they, they take only for, you know, class of 22 and class of 2023 and have a day just for them. I know some schools like, like Clemson does that. Uh, I think Florida had one of those days this year, so not not a bad idea to try. They have to get some tackles in. Uh, I feel like getting some offensive tackles in through the portal or maybe through junior college could be the difference between making a bowl and not making a bowl this year. That's just the one position on the roster that sticks out is, is just not having guys who can play at this level, not, not having enough of them. So they're going to have to find that in the portal. Coach Norbell already said that running back was going to be a spot that uh, they would likely go junior college for. He acknowledged that today. 
in his press conference. That makes a lot of sense why they would do that if you look at their numbers. Other than that, though, uh, they, they, they took the transfer kid today in, in Jackson. I, I think if they can find a guy with some kind of pass rush ability in the portal, that would be really, really helpful because I don't know I don't really know who's rushing the passer for you next year. A lot of the bodies that Coach Tagger staff took were kind of tweeners, and I didn't love them anyway. Um, and so far, I don't think any of them are really proving me wrong uh, at this point. So I, like, I don't know who's rushing the passer for you. Maybe it's Amari Gaynor. If Kando can stay healthy, which would be great, uh, then he's somebody who could do it. But if you can find somebody to help you come in and rush the passer, that would be a a real benefit, and again, probably help you make a bowl game next year, which is not something that I think is automatic at this point. So I, I think we, at this point we should turn and we, we should kind of grade. Let, let's go ahead and grade the, the transitional class. So a couple ways to do this. First, I think we're going to grade it on a curve. Coach Norvell uh, only had about two weeks or so to put this class together from the time that he was hired. He also had to try to put his staff together. And I think he did a really good job doing this. Um, grading it on a curve of, hey, this is a new staff in the early signing period era. I think I'd probably give him like a B plus. He got two quarterbacks in. He stole one from, from Louisville. He got another one that I know some other schools really liked down the stretch. And Rodemaker, that's a major position of need. And, and so he, he nailed that quite a bit. He also minimized defections, and of course, this assumes that they keep Malachi Weidman. If they don't keep Weidman, then you know, then there's some there's another defection along with with Green and Knighton uh, to where you're losing some of your your best players in the class. But I, if they can keep Weidman, I think the overall grade there, as far as like a B plus on the curve, would be very well earned because um, you kept most of your kids in. You didn't have these mass defections, and that tells me that these kids came away pretty impressed when they talked to, court, to Coach Norvell, not only with, with their words, because they all said nice things when they came out of, out of the meetings, but also with their actions. And that they, they stuck with Coach Norvell. And that could really make a difference here uh, for this program going forward. Now, they didn't bring in a whole lot of new kids who didn't weren't already um, committed to FSU. They, they, got, they got Kentron, and they got the two quarterbacks that they, they took the transfer defensive end. But overall, I think this is a very, very nice job. Like, could they have done better? Yeah, sure. I, mean, I think they could have done one or two other things to get that that A- minus or, or A. If you can get Weidman signed, that could really help. Uh, they didn't get Morvin Joseph, so they didn't get a pass rusher. Anybody in this class who can really affect the passer, I don't think. Um, maybe Griffiths will, will show something that he hasn't necessarily shown that much in, in, in high school. Uh, athleticism at linebacker, I feel like, is an area where they needed to address and, and get somebody who can really run. I don't know that they have that in this class. Uh, and they, they didn't get any offensive tackles who are no doubt offensive tackles, right? Schrader's a guy who I think could play tackle, but he's not a a no doubt guy that you can project to play offensive tackle for you in year two. Willis is a guy who I like at the offensive tackle spot as far as body type, but he's very raw. And I don't think he's somebody who you can, who I'm not saying it's impossible for him to play for you in year two, but I don't think he's somebody who's going to, to likely be a year two starter for you. And I do think that uh, that's a miss in the class. So if they had gotten maybe one of those other things, I would have probably given this like an A minus or an A. But I'll also note that Coach Norvell had pretty much far and away the best new coach class of any coach 
out there. Like that, that, that's on a new coach staff. Now I don't include Washington in that because Jimmy Lake was a promotion from within with with, uh, with Chris Peterson stepping down. But if you look at the other schools out there, uh, Florida State had the best class, really by far. Now you can tell me, yeah, that's true, bud. But they already had that best class, and that's like of, of those schools that fired their coaches. And that's that's fair. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I I think this is just a very nice job. It's hard to nitpick this too much. And at the same time, if you grade this without a curve, and this is if you, if you think if you think I'm going to be negative here, in this part you're kind of right. And I, I hope that you guys appreciate me trying to be honest with this because there's a whole lot about this class that I really do like, and there's a few spots that I think are kind of weaknesses. If you grade this class without the curve then I think your grade drops quite a bit, right? These teams just had six weeks to pick over Florida State's recruiting class and, and, and really try to get in and take who they want. And the bottom line is that your, your playoff contender type teams, your, your, your Floridas, your LSUs, your Georgias, your Clemsons, Ohio State's, Bama's, uh, Oklahoma's, Texas, the, those type of teams, they, they didn't want many of Florida, these kids Florida State signed. I think Clemson maybe would take like one kid at FSU's class. Maybe two. Right? With Florida, maybe four. Uh, There's just not a whole lot of guys in this class who can play for those type of schools right now. And I do think this is an important perspective to remember um, because this class, in theory, are going to be your junior's Come 2022, when Clemson comes back to town, when Florida comes back to town. And the talent gap between Florida State and Clemson, between Florida State and Florida, and even between Florida State and Miami today, it did not narrow. It got wider. In the case of going against Clemson, it got a lot wider. I mean, literally, I think the only kid that Clemson would actually take out of this class is Tate. The other other 17 kids Florida State signed, I don't think... I don't think Clemson would say yes to, to them being in their class. That's your division rival. The other thing you have to consider is with this being a transition class, and people don't want to hear this because this is like the optimism of signing day, and then I'm just going to say, well, hey, let's pump the brakes on this slightly. Transitional classes fall apart, especially in the early signing period era because you didn't have time to vet all these kids, right? And there's probably a reason that I don't know about and that this staff doesn't know about, but that some other schools know about why they don't want to take some of these guys. Go back and look at, at, at the, the 2018 class that Florida State signed. It was the best transitional class that anybody signed that year as far as new coach classes. They signed 21 kids. 11 of those kids have either transferred are like very likely potential transfers slash we don't know if they're going to be on the roster in the case of two of them, right? Because they were kind of in and out of the roster this year. Or just have shown that you just flat out can't play and don't belong in Tallahassee. You're talking about 11 of 21. So that's over 50% of that 2018 class. Those are, by the way, your upcoming juniors this year. So just remember, this class I don't think is going to make or break Coach Norvell. If Florida State is smart, it will realize that you have two new coach classes in the early signing period era 
in a three-year span. And that kind of really is going to screw up your roster for a couple of years. This is an extremely encouraging start for Coach Norvell. I mean, like, no BS here. The job that they did to, to get this thing together, I think, is very encouraging. Like, legitimately, if these guys work out, there's a lot of guys that can help you. Probably not be superstars, but there's a lot of guys that, that can help you. Maybe they'll be able to keep keep the class together a little bit better in terms of, of not having quite so much attrition. We'll see on that. Um, my guess is that there will be quite a bit of attrition from this one, too, because looking across the board, pretty much all these new coach classes in the early signing period era are are facing pretty serious attrition after only two years on campus. I mean, like I said, with Florida State, you're looking at like half the class already you know is not going to help you in any way from, from the 2018 class. I think fans should be pretty encouraged, but I don't think that they should start basing really high expectations based on these players doing it for you. Because on the whole, this class is like a Louisville, Tennessee, Nebraska level class. If you if your roster is four of these, you're not going anywhere. If you lay the base for your roster, the initial base for your roster with this class, and then next year you follow it up by doing some serious recruiting, you know, drop some bags do some great evals, show the kids where playing time's available, sell hope, 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 because you probably won't be selling wins very much, right? And then sell your vision. Maybe you can get like a top eight level class, maybe a top five level class, something like that next year. And then follow it up with a really great class of 2022. Then we can look back and we and FSU fans can say, damn, that, that 2020 class, it really wasn't special, but they... They kind of laid the foundation from 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 where to improve. And you had a couple of those kids that turned out really good. And you had a couple of those kids that turned out to, to not hurt you. And they, and they helped you in a couple of ways. Um, and, man, that really helped us because now we're, we're, we're doing really well in 2021 and 2022 classes in 2023. Right? That I think that's the ideal scenario here of, of how this works.